Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Uh, And let's start off by announcing our newest milestone, (laughs) which is um, not that it's episode 64, but that we are recording uh, our very first episode on a new disc on a new card you know we, we ran out yeah wait it was like a, yeah no, i have to ran say it's pretty, we did we, we went through a 64 gig card yeah. we got episode about to episode 63 that was how many episodes then so that would be i don't know i can't do math 54 episodes roughly yeah, yeah. i think it's 34 episodes it's a lot it's of episodes bad. so you know we we uh labeled it we're gonna put in a safe you know yeah keep because it for you know, good time of safe. course because you know you know when the aliens come or the yeah. next civilization they're going to want to preserve absolutely human absolutely that's when they're like the they, they land they listen, they listen to it they're like we're out of here yeah he did what now? <laughs> like, what oh my god but hey they'll leave liverpool fans yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so well this is our christening of that card um just in time for christmas oh, <laughs> anyway um so in terms of of movies we we haven't watched that much new things like we watched the mandalorian we're watching making it all that but we did watch two new things both of them christmas movies oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's right yes so the first one we watched was klaus um on netflix on netflix that was so good it is good i i I, when i'd seen the trailer i was like yeah whatever Yeah, the trailer was meh but the movie was it is heartwarming and it it was it did take i remember when we were watching it together the first 10 15 minutes like i'm going this is gonna get better right this is gonna get better right and then there's a part when um I don't think we're really giving anything away, but uh, the the post the, the oh. postman yeah goes to the new <laughs> yeah. town. Um, what was the town called again? Oh my god, I can't uh, s- 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 Oh my, Smearinsburg. 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 Yeah, yeah. So they go to Smearinsburg, <laughs> um, and that scene. I, it's th- like this dark, dismal Victorian esque yeah. town with like the timber children. Yeah, really? It's a very, it's a, it's a so timber, and, but there's these kids making a snowman and all I could think was like, Emma, that's yeah, honestly, just, <laughs> I was like, Oh man, it's so good. But it, it is well done and it's just a different take on the whole Santa Claus myth. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really heartwarming and yeah. cute and the animation is beautiful. Yeah, I would, I will definitely I say that it is in there. I would make that a rotation of watching every Christmas. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Check that one out for sure. It's yeah. a really good Christmas movie. It's Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And it's got a bunch of famous people, too. I think it's Jason Schwartzman. Yes. Uh, J.K. Simmons, I believe, is Klaus. I think so. Um, I can't remember. Who's the the female lead? Is um, is it Rashida Jones? Yes. Yeah, okay. Thanks, so, Mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the other Christmas movie is like a <laughs> victory for me. Uh, I've been trying and like lobbying to get you to watch It's a Wonderful Life since, I mean, not for that long because... I only saw it last year, but it, I loved it so much, and you just refused to see it. Well, uh, the reason was just that there's this point when 
there's a point of no return for a lot of films where they get so hyped up. And I mean, it's hap- it happens to everyone. I mean, I know everybody right. has a certain film. I think some people will, they wear it as a badge of honor for, I mean, it's not just movies, but it's TV shows and series. Like some people will say, oh, I've never seen Game of Thrones or I've never seen... The Office. The, yeah, or, you know, it could be a whole bunch of things. I think The Sopranos was one of them. Um, I think um, there's one, oh, The Wire... Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, so there's like to be good, I think. there's a, it is it, there's a whole bunch. I, I think Deadwood, um, there, there, but there is there's a lot. And um, with that one, I, I just got to the point where I was kind of like, it's how's it ever going to live up to its expectations? Because I'd never seen it in my well, you know, almost fifty years. But when, or whenever I started watching, well, probably still fifty years anyway. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I, it just was to the point like you know what. If I hadn't seen it yet, I've gotten this far. I'm not going to lose any sleep, so I don't really care. And then I got to a point where like people are just so annoying. You got to see it. It's so good. Blah blah blah. And I was Even like, your own daughter. Well, I just one of the things like going like, hey, hey, don't evangelize, don't push. Like you know, <laughs> just so that's I'm, fair. But I just thought that you would like it, and and I did like it. I will say I only needed you for you to like. It. I didn't need you to love it. Oh no 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 no. And I mean, so I will say this. One. um, it's just too long. Like it's that's the, fair. And that's fair. and I give I give I know it's a classic Frank Capra the whole thing. And I know you took a film class, so you have all this, <laughs> you know, intelligence I'm about the insufferable the, yeah. film major type person. <laughs> but what I will say is that I, I mean, let me this way: there's no way we can call this a spoiler alert. Like I can just talk about it, right? It, yeah, it was. It is out in 1947. Well, no, I just. I mean, there's probably a lot of people who haven't seen it in generation, generation. Okay. We Pause, know that. We know watch it. Come back. Annie Robertson's never seen it, nor has James Milner. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, but, uh, <laughs> those are Liverpool uh, players, just so you know. But and anyway, I haven't seen. It's a wonderful life. And they put both Home Alones at the top of their well, Christmas. Have, no, you have to explain what you're suck. even talking about. We can. We can. Uh, we'll, we'll get, get back. To, to, we'll get well, to, maybe when we, we get will. to the Liverpool um, corner. But anyway. Um, so it, the thing is, it's Jimmy Stewart has just, he's just this incredible person, you know, does all the right things, has the best moral compass, ethical, everything that, you know, you, everyone should have. Guy. Right. And people should have this. This is not one of those like, oh, the goody two shoes crap. No, no. This is just how people should literally live their lives. I, I am a wholehearted, wholeheartedly believe in that. However... He does all the good things, and of course, you know, good guys always come in last, that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And he just is... Life keeps su- beating him right, down. Right, he gets, suffers over and over and over again. And I just felt like, okay, we get it. He's suffering. <laughs> we don't have to keep going. And that was a part where I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because it, it, I actually had to check the time. And not because I was like, this is too long, or I'm, I'm bored out of my mind. I was just kind of going, "Are we? how much how more much suffering are we going to see? Because I know there's a point with an angel, and I'm like, when is that going to happen? Um <laughs> So my review is that 20 minutes too long of suffering. Um, and, and then, you know, it, it, and then him snapping. I had, a, I had an issue with the way he snapped, and I thought you had a good point. You're like, look, he just, it's been, it, it just, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And he redeems himself even, when, even though he is snapping with his family, which, again, I just thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> but I, I like the end. The only thing I didn't like was, the, Besides all the stuff you were just talking about, or? Well, that was just like really one piece. But um, the the you know the villain, whatever you want to call him, Mister um, Potter. Yeah, I, I just don't like that there was. They don't finish it. I don't mean he, he has to. Anything has to happen to him for justice. But there should have been like something of, to tie it up. 
Well, it, it just it should have been known what he did. And I figure like that should have happened. It doesn't mean he goes to jail or anything like that, but he should have at least been somehow. I thought like the thing that bothered me was this. Remember the guy who goes and tells him that he's buying up all this land and you, all these renters, you're going to lose all this money. And Potter's like, whatever, you know. He goes, well, one day I may be working for him then. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like that was this thing of like, okay, other people see the good of him. So I thought that his henchmen who, would leave him. Yeah. Would at least say, oh, here's the money. They had to cut that part out because the suffering just took too long. Uh, and- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, I will say that uh, I, I did like it. Number two, it's not going to be in my rotation to watch every Christmas. I'm telling you that. How about every other Christmas? I don't even know about that. Like, I saw every it. Every third Christmas? I'm happy I saw it. No, because. Once when I have, like, kids or something? Maybe. No. What? Okay, fine. Never mind. I mean, we, you, you should watch it with your kids and see what I happens. Would. That kind of thing. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that I just can't watch the suffering. I mean, we're living the suffering now. so That I, is right. I don't need to watch it. We have it. our own Mr. Potter. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's, I just thought we should bring that up. Um, and then... I stand corrected, and kudos for you, and I thank you for Maybe you should listen to me a little bit more, then. Okay, now we're just getting a little crazy, okay? (sighs) At least for movies. Have I redeemed myself from Beauty and the Beast? No. God damn it. No, no, no. Okay. You know, I almost did forget about that, but now... No! All right, let's go. Oh, before we move on, um... From the movie area, we saw the trailer for Wonder Woman 84. We talked about that. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. We had a whole thing about trailers. We talked about Free Guy. We talked about Wonder Woman 84. We talked about Doctor Who. We did? Oh, my God. But that was... We saw it this week. Do not read what I write even in the synopsis for our... No. Okay. (laughs) We already talked about this. Okay. Well, I'd like to bring it up again. Killing me, Smalls. No, we're not bringing it up again. Because it makes me really happy. And I really love Wonder Woman. Okay. Now we can move on. Um, So we have our Christmas tree decorated, which is nice. Uh, We have a lot of Doctor Who ornaments, I'm noticing. And Star Wars ornaments. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It is a very nerd tree. But it's nice. We have Abominable, too. We do, of course. I mean, you can't not have the Abominable. Actually, no, we don't know Yukon, right? Is Yukon gone? I don't remember seeing Yukon. do not have a Yukon. I think we lost our Yukon. Did we ever have a Yukon? We had a, we had a Yukon. We still have uh, a Charlie in the Box. I knew we had a Charlie in the Box. Well, we had a Yukon too. Oh. But Yukon, I think, suffered a bad fate by falling. Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> we have to watch Rudolph. Yeah. Um, and. I didn't record it. What didn't you record? Was a year without a Santa Claus today? Yes. I didn't record it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure it's going to be played again. Fair enough. We'll see it. We'll see it. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We have a Christmas tree, and we will be watching Rudolph at some point. <laughs> um, and then now we can go into our Liverpool section. Okay. So, we had, um, I mean, I've been saying this already, that December is crazy. Two games this past week. We had our Champions League game, and we had our regular season game. Champions League game, we had to get a result, and we did. We won 2 nothing at Salzburg, and it was a crazy game. Like, the first half, it was just back and forth, back and forth. Both teams had incredible chances. And then we scored two goals within a minute, and it just, like, it knocked the air out of them. But Salah's second goal, the second goal, which was scored by Salah, the first goal was scored by Keita. His second goal, 
it was uh, a defensive mistake. The, the defender was trying to head it away but couldn't, and Salah outran him, took the ball, and then the keeper came out, and he ended up pushing Salah out so wide that he was almost off the pitch the uh, long way. And some the angle, I don't even know how it physically it happens. Like, I mean, the physics, I, it, he, using his right foot, I think it was his right foot, no, it was left, and he somehow just straddled the byline, kicked it, and it went into the goal. It was phenomenal. <laughs> But that put us through. We won the group. We're in the top of that group now, which is good because it gives us a little bit better chance of some teams um, that we may have a better shot at. But again, I think in a two-legged tie, which you have to play home and away, we win. So honestly, we as long as we don't get hurt, we have a good shot going to the finals again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the regular season, we played Watford at home, and we won that game 2 nothing. Salah scored both goals. Again, both of them were unbelievable. The last goal was a backflip nutmeg off the end line again <laughs> and it was unbelievable um so that's 17 games in 16 wins one tie we have 49 out of 51 points and lester tied so now we're 10 points ahead and i think city won so i think we're still 14 points ahead but then nice. this week we play two games this is the, this is what i was telling you we have a cup game on tuesday and then we have this World Cup game. This is like all the best teams that have won all their Champions Leagues play against each other. So that's Wednesday. So back to back. Back. So Liverpool have split two squads. One's going to play in the Cup, which is going to be our under 23s. I mean, a young, crazy young team. And then Whoa. our main squad's going over to um, uh, Cutter to play this World Cup. Hmm. But yeah, so it's, it, it's happening. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Happy days, early days. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Go and Reds. Then, yes. And then the Christmas thing we were just talking about. <laughs> there is like a YouTube video where they had Milner and Robertson like ranking their best. They do this fi- thing called, the, they call it the GOAT section. And it's called, you know, GOAT stands for greatest of all time. But they do it for certain yes. things. This was about Christmas movies. And they had to rank their top five. And it, it, they I, threw It's a Wonderful Life off of the board. <laughs> they threw it. They put it back on. Yes, yeah. because they were like, oh, this, this is a classic. People are going to get mad. But they put both Home Alones in their top. What? Hey. And there was, there was a debate over whether Die Hard was a Christmas movie. It's funny. <sighs> I think you should watch it if you want. I mean, again, it, you, you need subtitles because um, Milner is, <laughs> his accent's pretty tough. And then uh, Robertson's Scottish. So I love his accent yeah, so much. But it's... It was pretty funny. But they yeah. put it's a wonderful life off the board. Hey, look, I'm not gonna argue. I just thought. How it was... can you put Home Alone, the trashiest of movies, above? Ugh. Anyway, sorry. Let's continue. Well, so this week you're doing. I'm doing a ghost story. All right, and I have a true crime. All right. And you said yours is really depressing. Uh, yeah. Mine is not depressing. So okay. That's cool. nice. All right. Well, let's hear it. All right, so in the Christmas song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. The lyrics list multiple Christmas activities, including parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. The next line in the song states that there will be scary ghost stories. Yes, which was a thing. Yes, I know it was a thing. I wish that they should bring that thing back. Maybe yeah. that's what we're doing. Yes, it is. You're ruining my whole thing oh, here. I had like a... All right, I'll stop. I'll, I'll be quiet. But I've never heard a Christmas ghost story. Have you? Never. Thank you. <laughs> the, 
The tradition of telling ghost stories at Christmas has mostly faded in favor of watching Rankin Bass specials. Really? Still a great thing to do. No way. I know, crazy. Decorating trees <gasps> and uh, figuring out what to get your dad as a gift because he buys everything he likes before telling anybody else so that we have no idea what to get him. Are you talking about someone that we may know? Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll tell him. You'll tell him? Okay. Good to know. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, the tradition is incredibly old, um, and the Smithsonian Magazine that I got this from says that it likely stems from the ending of the year motivating people to get together with their families and remember those they've lost. Okay. And that warrants ghost stories. <laughs> I guess. Um, and, I, I mean, I don't know, just like thinking of, like, where are they now? Stuff like that. Uh, but most of the themes of these Christmas ghost stories uh, revolve around winter yeah death rebirth things like that coldness fire i don't know i think i read something similar when i was looking for stuff so i didn't read the smithsonian one but i found something about uh when i was reading um because they, they talked about the whole byron shelley piece of what happened in the winter because they went out there and that's when right and all that uh, so. that's not what i'm talking about today, right, that's fine so. that's fine um so first i have sort of like a, a shorter ghost story that that's true and okay. then I'm going to tell you like a classic ghost story that was like written a couple, like a while ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. So buckle in. So first I'm going to tell you about the Mistletoe Bride of Bram's Hill House. Okay. What a good name, don't you think? You know it already, don't you? I don't, but I think I found, I saw it when I was looking for, because I looked Christmas ghost stories for oh, one of my stories. Yeah. Um, so I remember seeing that because the, the house, I remember that house. Bram's Hill, yeah. Yeah. Did you read it? No. Why not? Because I I, I didn't want um, a story. Do you know what I mean? Oh, wait, oh, this is true. This is yes. Oh well, I, I maybe I thought it was supposedly true. I mean, yeah, I thought it, it was like a, a short legend, story. I thought it was a short story. No, That's this why. is true. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, who knows? No, no, no. I know what you mean, but, but I thought I thought it was completely fiction and it was written as fiction. That kind of no, thing. No, no, no. Okay, no, fair no, enough. No. Go ahead. Okay, so, um, yeah. So, it was the early seventeenth century. Uh, and Anne was to be married on Christmas Day to Lord Lovell okay. of Bramshill, or not of Bramshill House, at Bramshill House. Okay. So, uh, so Bramshill House is in Hampshire, England. Uh, and no, I will not be reading the rest of this in a British accent. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the ceremony went smoothly, as did the following feast. Yay. Then... It was time for the age-old tradition of carrying the bride to her bedchamber. Um, so before everybody, you know, picked her up and carried her off, Anne suggested that they play a game. Hmm. What game, you ask? Hide and seek. Hmm. Um, so she would, you know, go hide and everyone yep. would look for her, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it kind of reminds me of Ready or Not. I was going to say, yeah. I wonder if there's anything. Bride, hide and seek. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different, but. We still have to watch that. I'm really, yeah. I want to see that really bad. Um, so anyway, uh, Anne gets like a five minute head start, goes to hide somewhere, and then everybody starts looking. Okay. Um, after a couple hours, nobody could find her. They were going a little bit worried. They were like, "Okay, maybe she's like behind this curtain." No. Okay, maybe she's under this bed. No. And then they started thinking that maybe she abandoned her husband. Ooh. And like ran away. So, days passed, still no sign of her. Oh, my God. Weeks, 
months, and it turned into years. Nothing. Oh, my God. 50 years later, uh, Lovell had long since given up hope. And I guess maybe he does actually live in this house because he's in it at this point. Okay. Um, so one day he was up in the attic, just sort of chilling, I guess, as you do, when he hears these knocks uh, coming from the wall. Uh, he like sort of approaches, it's sort of like oak paneling, and he like listens for a sound and he hears nothing. So he tries knocking back. When he does, a secret door springs open, revealing like a hidden room behind like the attic. Huh. And in this room is nothing but a giant wooden chest. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like a large ornate chest and it's covered with dust. So he approaches it and he manages to pry it open. And inside was his bride, long dead and skeletal, still dressed in her wedding dress and clutching her mistletoe bouquet. Scratch marks lined the inside of the lid, showing an attempt for her to escape her, uh, her, the trunk uh, before her air ran out. And it is said that one can still hear knocks up in the attic, and some have seen Anne's apparition wandering the halls of Bram's Hill House, clutching her bouquet. It's a cool story, actually. It's I, I like the whole thing, but... I, it, it, Why would you hide in there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, it's a secret. And how do you know the place? So, I mean, it wasn't even her place if he's living there, unless it was her family's estate. But if it was her family's estate, somebody in the family would know where the thing is. So, I mean, I'm not trying to like, destroy <laughs> I mean, your story probably there. probably not true, but But I would, I, it's a good story. And I would, I think I would change it up a little bit. I think I wouldn't make it the secret piece or something like that, but almost that someone put her there no that oh. she still could have could have she well i mean you could also have some some a murder assassin. right somebody who was just you know jilted that <laughs> ended up you know locking her somewhere kind of thing but um or that would have made more sense to how she would have been put in the in a chest in a secret room exactly in <laughs> absolutely but you know you could you could have fun with it but that's that's a good story i like that story so now I'm going to tell you like an actual fictional Christmas story yeah. um, called Smee by A.M. Barrage. You know this, don't <laughs> I you? I don't. I, but I saw it. I think. You did. Was it on the same? Did all, were all these on one page? No. This is from two different websites. This is from the This is a short story. Who wrote it? A.M. Barrage. Barrage. I, I didn't read it. I just remember the name. Huh. But I saw it when I was. Have you ever heard of Smee? No. And I'm not talking about Captain Hook's best no, friend. That's what I, I mean. That's what I was thinking. Right. I, I mean, I knew I heard the name, but I was kind of trying to remember where. I didn't remember it was from Peter Pan. But okay. Yeah. Well, so this was written in 1931. Okay. Um, and the Paris Review had like five different stories. This one was the creepiest, but um, you should definitely go check it out. I'm going to list them all at the end. But so let me first start with Smee. So. The story begins after a lively dinner on Christmas Eve. Uh, Fourteen people had attended this banquet thing happening at this, like, large old house. Okay. As you do. Yep. Um, and it was a dark and stormy night. Of course, <laughs> you know. uh, so after dinner, the group was in the mood for a game. Uh, and similar to the story before, they were like, let's play hide and seek. Was that the only game that people... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. That and, like, right. 
uh, what is it, Jax? When he like, exactly. <laughs> maybe that's it. Um, so someone suggested hide and seek. Um, and so all of them were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Except for one guy, the party pooper named Jackson. Okay. He's like, hey, you guys, come on. Let's not play hide and seek. And they're like, what? But this is like so fun. It's the only game we know. <laughs> and he says, quote, um, I sometimes go and stay at a house where a girl was killed through playing hide and seek in the dark. Bram's Hill house? <laughs> yeah. Bram- <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know the house very well. There was a servant staircase with a door to it. When she was pursued, she opened the door and jumped into what she must have thought was one of the bedrooms, and she broke her neck at the bottom of the stairs. See, that would have been good for the Bram's little house. Yeah. That would have been, yeah. Let's merge the stories. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so he's saying, I played a, I, right, like, so you know, I went to I've, this other house. Yeah, and, I, have, I have trauma with hide and seek. Well, that and he, we'll, we'll get to it. Okay. So, um, understandably, the guests were like, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so they became incredibly concerned um, and he didn't really acknowledge it at all. So instead, he continues, and he says, Hey, have any of you guys ever heard of a game called Smee? Oh. Uh, this game, he told them, was sort of like hide-and-seek, but it was like sort of up a level. And actually, I'm going to describe it to you, but I would love to play this game. Okay, go ahead. I want to hear it. What? No, I, have, I don't... Okay, you have a weird look on your face. No, I'm just... Um... I'm intrigued. Let the record show that at this moment, Anish Nanda... <laughs> I, I'm intrigued. Okay, so uh, each player, and this, like, I'm going to use the 14 people, so each player receives a sheet of paper. Uh, so 14 sheets of paper, and okay. all of them are blank except for one. Okay. And on it is written Smee. Okay. Uh, so that person is Smee. Okay. So then once everybody has their sheet of paper and has seen it, they, like, crumple it up, throw it out, whatever. Lights are all turned off. Okay. The Smee person uh, sneaks out of the room and goes and finds a place to hide. Okay. Now everybody else has to go and find Smee. But here's the thing. This is where it sort of gets a little Marco Polo-y. Um, while it's still you're in the looking, dark? Yes. Oh. You're looking for Smee and it's in the dark. Now if you bump... You can't play this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now if you bump into another person, okay. um, you say Smee at them. Yeah. And if they respond, they're not Smee. So the only person who can't respond is actually Smee. Okay. And once you find Smee, you stand next to them quietly until everybody else eventually comes and finds Smee. Okay. Then at the end, you turn on the lights and you count everybody. And if it's been like a long time and everyone's there, those people lose, they forfeit, whatever. That's basically the game. Okay. So. (laughs) Um, It sounds a little bit complicated. The way that this guy wrote it, was really complicated. It doesn't sound complicated. It makes sense. It's like well, the I way mean, he wrote it. Nineteen thirty-one. Speak. Oh, fair I enough. had to read it like five times right, to understand right. it. That's like in simple terms. Okay. Um. So yeah, sounds kind of fun. I don't know if I can do it, but I would love to do it. Um. So Jackson tells the others that at that house he went to all the time, he played Smee there one night a couple times. That where night. the girl died. Where the girl died. Okay. So he thought hide and seek was bad. With well, lights he, on and somebody go there, but let's play Smee in a dark <laughs> hold house on, hold on. where. Okay, okay wait, I, wait, wait. he just, says he right. he won't play Smee anymore, but you guys should. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm gonna stay here by the fireplace, but you guys, I'll go play okay. Smee. Right. Um, but he's like trying to get them intrigued and like, 
why doesn't he place me and why is he suggesting it so they're like jackson why don't you place me um and he says well when i was at this house where the girl died uh, i was like a dinner party and there were 12 of us and we were and he one of like the host of the party was like hey guys let's place me so <laughs> um he tells his people here in the now that um while they were playing, he swears there were 13 people playing, even though there were only 12 that had come to the dinner party. Uh, okay. And this is what happened. So, um, on the first round of SME, everyone was, you know, chilling, going around. Um, and he tells everyone how he noticed, like, this one girl. Um, and he didn't know everybody at the dinner party. And so when the 12 of them were seated at the table, there was this one woman that he found strikingly beautiful, but he didn't know her name. Uh, and so he's like, I'm making a mental note of you in my head. Yep. So when they go to play Smee, first round, everybody finds me pretty easily. Um, and then the the host is like, okay, now, now let me count and make sure everybody's here. And so he counts and he gets the 13. And everyone's like, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. So then he counts again and he still gets 13. And then they're like, what, what is wrong with you? So they turn on all the lights and he counts again and he gets 12. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, then they decided to play another round. Okay. Uh, this time Jackson was Smee. Uh, he went off to the west hall of the house to hide. Uh, and, you know, the round goes as normal and they eventually find him. Um, and then before they start another round, he's going into like the, the smoking room Wait, or whatever. They played another game, even though they didn't have everybody. Yeah, they, they did have everybody. What are you talking about? You said they counted. No, no, no. Okay. So let me explain. Jackson's telling the story of Smee oh, he's to the his... 14, like to the other 13 oh, oh. people over All there. Right. He was telling that part. Oh, now I thought you said they had them... the first round. Okay, fair enough. I yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That was so he's, okay. he, this is him telling the story to everybody else. All right, fair enough. There's 12 guests at but this But in the first party. round, everybody, you're, so you're saying in, in current day, they play the first round. No, no, no. In current day, they have not played at all. Oh. He's just telling them of what he experienced at the other house. Okay, this is so confusing now because you just told me that he wasn't going to play Smee, but now he play, he's playing Smee. No. He said, you got to listen. I told you. <laughs> he said, thank you, mom. He said, I don't place me anymore. And they're like, So he's still Why? telling the story. Yeah, the whole story is him telling the story. Oh, I thought they were playing Smee themselves. Oh, my God. You need uh, to listen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Does right. it make sense now? Yes. He's telling so everybody now he's else. Like, so the first time the host counts, 13 in the dark, but when they turn the lights, there's it's only, 12. only 12. Okay. So now they play the second round. Jackson Jackson's going to be Smee. So this is this is past. This is a flashback. Okay. Yes. The whole story is a flashback. I got it now. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So um, that round, when he's Smee, everything goes smoothly. And they find him. And at the end, now he's in like this cigarette room with one of the players. And they're talking. And the guy goes, you know... Something really weird happened to me when we were playing Smee. And Jackson's like, yeah, well, what happened? And he says, well, I first went to the East Hall because um, earlier I'd seen like a really good hiding place. So I thought, oh, maybe someone's there. So I went over there and I asked Smee 
and I didn't get a response. And then I like felt around and I felt someone's arm. So I asked me again and they didn't say anything. So he thought he found me. So he thought he found me. Okay. Um, so, you know, he waited there for a little bit, but he got this really eerie feeling. So he turned on his like flashlight and nobody was there. Ooh. And then he was like, I'm out okay. <laughs> and ran over to the West Hall or whatever. So while they're playing Smee now and he's Smee, I thought that he wasn't supposed to talk to the guy anyway. Well, you can say Smee to right, them. And, right, and they don't say anything. And he's not, supposed to, he's not supposed to say anything. Yes, but he got this like weird feeling. No, 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 no. You're saying now he's talking to Jackson because Jackson's Smee. <sighs> I said after they finished the round. Oh, okay. oh my God. All right. So, this is ra- so after the second round. Yes. They're all chatting. Yes. Okay. Well, no, not all of them. Just the I two just of said them. the two of them were in all the right. cigarette room. Okay. Let me be crystal clear for the le- the next part. Yeah, maybe. I think it's your fault I here. Maybe you're so. having a little bit too much to drink. Keep going. Thank you, mom. She's nodding very She's not even listening. She's here. like playing to... Oh, uh, whatever. Thank you. This is crap. Why is this so hard this for is you? So crap. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Now it's the third round. In flashback. In flashback. Okay. So Jackson is not Smee. Okay. He is looking for Smee. Okay. He goes into So the... says during the game in real time now. Oh, in the flashback. In the flashback. I just want to make sure that yes. this wasn't like after the round. No. So says they are round. Playing They're playing a game now. Okay. Third and he's round. Looking for I just Smee. All right, fair enough. He enters a room. Mm-hmm. And he sees a person standing behind a curtain. Mm-hmm. So but it's goes, dark. Yes, but they're in front of a window. Yeah, There's light shining. It's dark outside. It's night. Dinner. There's moon. Stars. All right. And, that was and a dark and stormy night. You were saying that. When I was did. making a joke. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So he goes up to this person and he asks me and they don't respond. So he's like, yay, I found them. Great. Um, so he realized it was a woman i don't know how I, I think he like brushed her arm and was like oh that's a woman's arm okay so uh he sits down next to her and waits for everyone else yeah well to first, find if they can find her yeah okay. and he goes what's your name and he's not supposed to be talking but he's like oh whatever we have time and she goes oh, brenda ford um and he's like i don't remember who that person is but it must be that one woman that i didn't know the yes. name of like that, yeah. that was so striking okay um so he's like, okay, whatever. But then as time goes on, he becomes more and more uncomfortable. He hated being there, he realized. He hated sitting next to her, hated the thought of her being right beside him. He just was not having it. But he has to win this game. So he stays. Soon, another person came uh, and, you know, asked the SME and was like, got no response. So uh, she sat next to him. Um, her name is Mrs. Gorman. Mm-hmm. So... She finds Smee as well, sits next to Jackson. Jackson, yep. Um, so she confirmed that someone was actually there because she brushed her hand against someone's silk dress. Okay. So she sits down. Then they wait there for a couple hours. Jeez. And then uh, another person that was attending the party, his name's Reggie. Uh-huh. Um, he comes in and he's like, ha ha, I found you guys. You're forfeited. And they're like, what are you talking about? We're with Smee right here. Like, she's right next to us. Um, and Mrs. Gorman is like, yeah, like, I felt her silk dress. She's right here. Um, so Reggie's like, ha, 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 turns on the lights, and there's nobody there. Okay. Um, 
Jackson and Mrs. Gorman are like, oh. Mm-hmm. They insist that they like felt somebody there. They knew that there was somebody there. He's like, she even like told me her name. Like I know who it was. Um, and so they're all kind of like eked out. So they decide we're done with this game. Let's just have some drinks. Okay. So Jackson decides like, let me talk with the host of the party. His name is Mr. Sangston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he'd, he was the one who informed everyone that the girl had died. Um, and he was saying it like as a warning, like, be careful. Like there's, it's like a big house. Just right, right, right. make but sure the, you yeah, don't yeah. like fall down any stairs. Yeah, yeah. So he is the one who told them that story. Yep. And so Jackson goes up to him and he's like, um, I am like sure that there was somebody there. And I just talked to the, the, the girl in there and she says that it wasn't her. And it's really weird because the the Smeed told me her name. And Mr. Sangston's like, what, what what was her name? So Jackson says, Brenda Ford. Mr. Sangston goes white as a ghost, drops his glass, and goes, quote, Look here, old man, he said. I don't mind a joke, but don't let it go too far. We don't all the we, we don't want all the women in the house getting hysterical. <laughs> Brenda Ford is the name of the girl who broke her neck on the stairs playing hide-and-seek here ten years ago. And as a result, Jackson refuses to play the game anymore. That's and then a, he encourages the other ones to. And like, yeah, you, you guys go do that. That's a great story. I like that story. That's, that's a, me. That is a good, Isn't it? good ghost story. Like, oh. I think we could, yeah. We could retell that one. We, yeah, but we could, we need to, yeah, we just need to add some things. Because I think, <laughs> I think you have to, um, make it clearer no no but i think you have to have other things happen during the like creepier during things? the smith yeah, yeah with it like so we'll workshop it we'll yeah i like that you one. guys send it send no, i like that one I like, I like smith smith's a game that yeah that's good wouldn't that be a fun game to play yeah you need a big house though which you can't really have well, you can play it outdoors too but the lights in the woods okay at um, night there's a difference a between camp playing hide and seek in a house and playing hide and seek in the outdoors yeah it's better yeah oh that's good i like that one okay so let me get this straight now jackson was who (laughs) i'm really worried about you i'm not done there's another story no i have to do my little wrap up oh sorry stop the recording yet sorry jesus anyway here's my wrap up (laughs) like a christmas present so (laughs) i should have stopped the recording no, you shouldn't have. <laughs> so, as you just reacted, that story is pretty creepy. Uh, so, as I was saying, I got it from the Paris Review, uh, and you can read it for yourself online. I found it uh, typed out on patdavid.net, which is like a blog. This guy's archiving a bunch of horror stories. Oh, cool. Like old classic ones, so definitely check that out. Um, but it's also, like, if you just Google it, you can find it on a website. I couldn't access it because it's blocked on my computer, but um, definitely check it out. Uh, and you can read it in all its super complicated glory. <laughs> um, so the Paris Review also listed a couple other stories that I there was just not enough room to put them in. So um, there's this one called Between the Lights by E.F. Benson, written in 1912. Uh, there's one called The Kit Bag by Algernon Blackwood, written in 1908. Um, a Strange Christmas Game by J.H. Riddle, uh, written in 1863. And Christmas Reunion by Sir Andrew Caldecott, written in 1912. Hmm. 
I probably should have put the, like the synopses here, but no, that's right. you can Google them, find them on the Paris Review. Um, and so, you know, all of them are pretty creepy, but I thought that Smee was. I think you got to do Smee and you got to use yourself as this is how it happened to you. Yeah. Like how... I was at, but the only thing is now I can't be like, the kids nowadays aren't like, yeah, I was at this dinner party at this no, old house. No, you can. You can say you went to one of those like murder mystery things and like that was oh, what you were yeah. going to do or, you know, it ended up being. Like, I was at my grandmother's house. Or... Right. Or yeah, you went to a party and it was like an adult's party kind of thing, but the kids were there and, you, and you know, you, you started with the whole thing where the, the family was at a estate, right? Like one of these things and, you know, you had to go because it was friend of the friends, something like mm-hmm. that. And, um, and they were so strict. Like they it's don't. It's a good thing to do. Like. Like when I go to college, like when I'm first meeting people, because they won't know anything about me. Yeah, no, I don't think they do that. <laughs> but then you do. Uh, That's a good icebreaker, don't you think? Horror story. <laughs> but, you, but you can make it as if there was, uh, like, they weren't allowed. They didn't allow any technology. Everybody had a hand in their phones because they were, you know, they were just old school, strict type mm-hmm. folks who were just and and it could Set also it up be like it's get out, right? Or it could also be the thing where they're so, um, it's maybe they're kind of famous, so they don't, they just don't, they they. They uh, right. clamp down on anything being photographs and stuff like right, that. Right. But yeah, that was good. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well so done. now you can stop the recording. All right, then. <laughs> well done. Apparently, I hit the record too fast or stopping it because I you no, have another I, point. I just Please. forgot. I forgot. Let's hear it. Um, Smee comes from, like, it's me. Like, that's why it's okay yeah. that's all i mean i it's not really that important i just thought i would say it okay because you know why it's me whatever anyway you can tell your story now i just right. felt like i should say that no 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 that actually that's that makes sense um a little backstory <laughs> you should have made that as your uh, fun fact oh i have a pretty good oh, well, it's, and it's not even from the fact site oh wow all right it's one that i just know okay <laughs> um you already know it though because i already told you okay so as you alluded to during our um, <laughs> intro. intro, I'm going to, there's a disclaimer to the story. Uh, it is awful. It is dark. It's twisted. It takes place around Christmas. Ooh, um, no. That's one the reason I chose it, because I just wanted a Christmas story. Um, but I I have been questioning my decision. I, I was when I was writing it. I am still now. Um and I know we talk about murderers all the time and serial killers and all these other things, but this is a downer da- uh, tale at its deepest. Like Junko Furuta type downer? Um, I, no, it's, it's, it's bad. Like, I, I, like Sylvia Likens type downer? It, it's just bad. I don't know what else to say. It's, it's a different, um, you'll get it because I, you'll, I, I don't want to give anything away yet. Oh boy! But buckle yeah. up, folks. My story was a nice break. <laughs> Maybe you should listen to this podcast the opposite way. Um, so to everyone who's listening, I will not be offended if you just skip this one and go right to uh, our fun fact and everything else, or wait till the holidays to listen to this or whatever it is. Wait till the end of the holidays, you mean? Yeah, sorry. I meant yes. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Never March. <laughs> March. <laughs> um. So I'm going to take a moment right here for you oh to skip ahead. Don't leave me. <laughs> okay. Now, for those who uh, decided that they need to be depressed even more during the holidays, you have Hi, had, Jackie. <laughs> you've had fair warning. Um, so this story takes place in Arkansas. Oh, no. It's, All right. Well, 
I already said Christmas right. time. You were right. It is. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, it's in 1987. Um, it's a mass murderer. Oh. And it's, well, it's true crime, of course. So, last chance, folks. Okay. Not for me. <laughs> All right. So, here we go into, the, into my overview. The law firm of Peel, Eddie, and Gibbons was getting ready for the new year. Anything? Nothing? Nope. Okay. It was relatively quiet in the office because, again, it's the last week of the year. Um, you're just, most of the attorneys that weren't already on vacation were just closing up, like getting their bills done or whatever, whatever billing they had to do before they either left for whatever, vacation or mm-hmm. anything else. Um, the receptionist secretary, of course, you know, didn't have the, couldn't afford or was allowed to basically leave because whatever it is has to finish up and make sure the office is running. So her name was Kathy Kendrick. Nothing? No. Okay. She was 24, uh, 24 years old and she had an infant. Oh, right? no. Now, she was in the office basically, again, helping other lawyers that were around and she happened to be in one of these um, offices when somebody had entered through the front door and was at reception. Oh, no. So she went to the reception desk and asked, can I help you? She may not have realized it at the time, but she knew the man that was waiting there. Oh, no. She had worked with him at Woodline Motor Freight a year earlier, and he had harassed her, stalked her (gasps) uh, at the workplace. She had made, um, or he had made, I should say, multiple romantic gestures towards her, and she politely declined. Some point it was just too much, and she complained. And the man finally quit in '86, the year before. Oh no! If she did recognize him in that period of time, it was too late. No. For after she had asked, "Can I help you?" he fired four <gasps> fatal shots at her head. No. The man would proceed to visit three more places to right wrongs he believed were made against him. Oh, my God. The last stop would be Woodline Motor Freight, where he had stalked Kendrick. (gasps) There, he would shoot Joyce Butts, the secretary. Afterwards, he would surrender his gun to another employee and say, I just wanted to kill Joyce. Just Joyce. Well, not really. After the police arrived, they tried to grasp all of the carnage that this man had caused on this day. They would soon discover that the murder spree had started almost a week earlier and discover 14 more bodies. (gasps) This is the story of darkness and evil. It's the story of Ronald Gene Simmons. (sighs) Nothing? I know the name. I I don't know the story. All right, so... Oh, my God. Sources of Wikipedia, all that's interesting, uh, Murderpedia. Well, Murderpedia, really not. I just... It was in my list because it was no different than everything else I had found. <laughs> um, Vocal.media had a write-up from someone who actually grew up in the town, and her mother worked at the at one of the places that he he, oh he felt wronged. Um, WickedWe.com, TheJournal.ie, and the New York Daily News, which I hate as a paper, but they had a <laughs> I use interview. Wicked We a lot. They're good. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the crime timeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in the middle of drinking. Um, caught me off guard. So Ronald Gene Simmons was born on July 15th, 1940 in Chicago. Okay. His father had suffered a stroke and died when Simmons was only uh, three. Mm. His mother remarried. And within a year of the father's death, 
I think it was, yeah. Was it within a year? I, th- I can't remember if it, they wait, oh. she waited a year and then met him, but I think actually she was married within that year. Whoa. Okay. Well. His stepdad was a civil engineer and worked for the Army Corps of Engineers. Now, this introduced Simmons into the life of the Army, you know, basically moving from mm-hmm. place to place, kind of being, I don't want to say transient. However, the, uh, his f- stepdad was uh, basically based in Arkansas. He just moved between bases around there mm-hmm. for almost 10 years. Oh. Now, at the beginning of his senior year of high school in, I think, 1957, he dropped out and he joined the U.S. Navy. Okay. And he would be stationed at Bremerton Naval Base in Washington, the state. There he met an uh, Bursaba Rebecca Ulabari, and she went by Becky. Okay. Um, they hit it off. They got married in New Mexico in July of 1960. Okay. The couple would have seven children over the next 18 years. Seven children? Yep. That's a lot of children. Yep. Holy moly. Okay. In uh, 1963, Simmons then would leave the Navy. I think he he had done his uh, stint. Um, and then, I don't know what he did for the next couple of years, but then he would re-enlist into the Air Force in 1965. Okay. And at this point, um, the Vietnam War is just kind of starting. Mm, yeah. He had a pretty honorable career. He served 22 years in the service. I think... Between the Navy and the Air Force, he received a Bronze Star, he received the Republic of the Vietnam Cross, and he also received an Air Force ribbon for excellent marksmanship. Nice. So good with a gun. Um, he retired in November of 79 at, as the, at the rank of Master Sergeant. And there was another one that said it was actually later in the 80s, but it, it couldn't have been because... The timeline did Yeah. The wouldn't crime have, timeline didn't <laughs> It wouldn't up. have added up, yeah. Um, so he ended up retiring in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. Okay. It's a nice town name. Well, he was well known in the town, but not for good oh. things. He was just feared by Here's most. Here's when it starts going downhill. This is a quote from one of his daughter's friends. He had a beer in his hand all the time. He had one little room he would stay in all the time. It was dark and it seemed spooky and it stunk. That's not nice. Now, by 1981, a darker cloud basically hovered. Over Cloudcroft? Well, (laughs) mostly over Simmons and Cloudcroft. He was sexually abusing his eldest daughter. <gasps> no! Sheila. And it started, they believe, when she was 15. No! By the time she was 17, she was pregnant <gasps> with Simmons' child. No! Oh! And it wasn't a secret that he had been abusing his daughter to the point where teachers were aware and had tried throughout to get her help, what? having her talk counsel, but she... How? was just too fearful of doing anything against her father to come forward. And teachers said that however they could confront it or however they they had no proof by that. What about the child? Well, again, at that point when she was pregnant, then until the baby's born, they can't, you know, they have to like DNA tests, right? That kind of thing. So, um, So, again... 
it was one of those things where the father, um, where Simmons basically just wielded this, you know, aura of fear and, and oh, control, right? God damn it. I really hope he gets some justice. So by that time, though, when she was pregnant, the teachers were like, we, they did go to the authorities and just made a claim. And that got back to Simmons. <gasps> and before he could get charged for incest or anything, he basically fled with the whole family no! and moved the whole family to Arkansas. Oh. Where he purchased a 13-acre tract of land. And this allowed him to keep his family isolated as much as possible from the outside world. Oh, my God. No phone, no air conditioning, no heat, no working well, toilets, what's the meaning of that? no plumbing. So that nobody has any reason to come to the house? Well. Like to fix it? If he, it gets broken? He ended up also forcing his children to perform backbreaking manual labor oh my God. all around the house. And again, he had kids that... You know, from Sheila, who was the third oldest of the seven, he had two. She had two older brothers, and we'll talk about the rest of the kids. And um, so, but I think the age, the the years in between, were uh, all the way from, I think, a, at the time, nine to twenty five. So, well, over the the seventeen years. So right. there's basically, oh. I think, or seventeen or eighteen years of uh, of age gap Gaps, between yeah. the youngest and the oldest. So I don't think the youngest were doing all much of the manual labor, but who knows? Now, the residence itself was constructed of two older model mobile homes, and they were joined to form one large home, and they were surrounded by a makeshift privacy fence that was as high as 10 feet tall in Whoa. certain places. Yeah. Now, Simmons had worked a string of low-paying jobs when he moved to Arkansas, and the town was called Russellville. And he had quit a position as an accounts receivables clerk at Woodline Motor Freight after numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances. He then went to work at Sinclair Mini Mart for approximately a year um, before quitting on December 18th, 1987. And he'd had some jobs in between there as well. Um, But also by 1987, the three eldest children had escaped the compound. And I mean escaped mean they had families of their own were old enough they were in their 20s so he like let them go i mean i don't think he could have i think they did and i don't think he they could have he could have um well he can't legally keep them right and they did go to school it wasn't like they were homeschooled so they did leave the house that way yeah so um and i think he would have been in trouble because i don't think he could have homeschooled at the time because i think they would have had to have people show up if he was homeschooling um now the three eldest again were the two boys and sheila and Sheila left with her daughter, Sylvia, which was the granddaughter and daughter of Simmons. Oh, God. Now, Sheila actually met somebody who knew the whole history, like knew that this was was her father's father's daughter. And he adopted her as his own. Oh, my God. Um, What a good guy. You know, just, and she changed, I think the last name was McNulty. Um, So... The daughter went by Sylvia McNulty. So, and of course, uh, Sheila didn't want to have anything to do with the Simmons name. Did she know? Did Sylvia know? That I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know if she would have known. Probably not. I don't know why I, would, yeah, yeah, I don't we'd know ever why tell. Would. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that. Maybe when this all came out later? Maybe. Um, I don't know how you could have I didn't. That. I didn't see anything written about that. 
but um, uh, Simmons, that was a huge blow for because he he called her his little princess. He she was apparently very attractive. Like that kind of yeah, I I hear it saying yeah. Um, so Sheila had married. I can't remember his name. I think it's Michael. Um, and then Billy also married. And then the eldest was Ron Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I don't think he had married anyone. Um, and, you know, they're building their own lives now. So this is really in the same year of 87. Now, Simmons' wife, Becky, knew what was going on mm-hmm. and also feared for her life. Oh. But after her three eldest had moved, it must have changed her view of that she could get out as well. So she started figuring out how she could leave him. But it took all that time from 60 to 87. And she wrote a letter to her son, Billy, a few days before the family was supposed to get together for the holidays. And in the letter, one of the things she had said was, and I quote, I don't want to live the rest of my life with dad. I am a prisoner here, and the kids too. Every time I think of freedom, I want out as soon as possible. Oh. Now, it's not clear if Simmons knew about the letter, but he knew that she was going. She was threatening divorce, or at some point, I don't know if he was served, or it, was, it came to his attention that she had spoken to a lawyer. So not good. Right, so he's now kind of, this is also happening. And the feelings, again, he had for his eldest leaving were just compounded, right? Now, the other thing that seemed to bother him was the rejection of Kendrick the year before. So oh there was God. these three women in his He's life. A gross, dirty man. That, I right. do not like him. So all of the rejections must have flooded his mind. And in mid-December, he just decided that he was going to write all those that had wronged him. No, that's not how you... So the week before Christmas, he ordered his remaining children, the young ones, to dig a four-foot-deep septic trench for the new outhouse because they were having the extended family over for the holidays. And now there were like little kids, this and that, and everything else. On the morning of December 22nd, 1987, his eldest son, Ron Jr., and Ron Jr.'s three-year-old daughter, Barbara, oh, no. so maybe I guess he did have a family, but I don't think he was married. I think he must have been divorced. Okay. Were visiting Simmons and his wife. That morning, Simmons bludgeoned and <gasps> shot his wife with a 22 caliber pistol. Oh, my God. He then shot Ron Jr. No. And then next, no, 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 he no. strangled his granddaughter, Barbara. Oh, no. He then took the three bodies and put them in the four-foot deep trench that his children had dug the previous week. Oh, my God. He then went into the kitchen with a beer <gasps> and just waited for his other children to return from school. Oh my, oh, my God. That's sickening. When they did, he told them that he had presents for each of them. No. He said that they were big surprises and he needed to give them to each one at a time. No. So first up was Loretta, 17. He took her outside, and then he strangled her (gasps) while holding her underwater in a rain barrel. Oh, my God. He then did the same to Eddie, 14, (gasps) Marianne, 11, and Rebecca, Becky, 8. No. And he placed all their bodies in the trench as well. 
Oh my god. This is four feet, right? How? That's it was a, a four bodies. foot deep trench. The trench, I don't know how long it was, but uh. it was I, long enough to put the bodies in there. Jesus Christ. Well, four days would pass where Simmons just would drink his beers at home while the bodies laid in the trench. Uh, was it still opened? Did he bury them? Uh, I think he did actually bury them. Oh my God. He was seen in town for to get some supplies, but no one noticed anything else wrong with him. On December 26th, 1987, his other children and their families were invited to visit for an after-Christmas dinner. No! No! The first to arrive was Billy, 23, his wife, Renata, 23 as well, and their one-year-old son, (gasps) Billy the Third. No! Simmons shot both Billy and Renata, and then he drowned his grandson, (gasps) Billy. He covered Billy and Renata's bodies with their jackets and left them on the dining room table. Oh my God! He placed his grandson in the trunk of a car <gasps> behind the home. Next to ar- arrive was his daughter, Sheila, oh, now 24, no. and her husband, Dennis. Dennis was his name, sorry, 23. No, he was the one that was like so like awesome and everything. Right, I'll tell you what the, who Michael was. Simmons' daughter slash granddaughter, Sylvia, was six at the time. Oh, my God. And Sheila and Dennis's son, Michael, who was 20 months at the time. Simmons shot both Sheila and Dennis. <gasps> he then strangled Sylvia and Michael. No! He left Sheila, Dennis, and Sylvia's body on the table covered with tablecloths. Oh, my God. So there's now five bodies on the table. Oh, my God. Michael was then placed in a trunk of another parked car on How the property. How many cars does he have? I don't know. It might have been one of the kids' cars, for all we know. He then went into town to pick up some ex-Christmas gifts that he hadn't picked up in time. What? That he just For left who? at Sears and then went to a private club to just drink. Oh my God. He then returned home and just waited out the weekend with five bodies. The body's still there? In the house. What the hell? On the morning of December 28th, he took Ron Jr.'s car and went to go visit Kathy, Catherine Kendrick. Oh my God. After shooting her four times, he then went to the Taylor Oil Company. There he shot and wounded owner Russell Rusty Taylor, who had also owned the Sinclair Mini Mart. Oh my God. And that's where he had worked the year earlier. And then he shot and killed J.D. Jim Chafin, who was just one of the workers there, who was also a fireman and all those other things. Um, Simmons then tried to fire more shots before he left, but no one else was hit. So I, he was there to try to kill Taylor. Didn't, I think Chafin just happened to be there, but he would have killed anybody else that was working there. Next, he went to the Sinclair Mini Mart, oh where God. he shot and wounded Roberta Woolery and David Sawyer. Oh my God. His last stop would be Woodline Motor Freight Company, where he shot and wounded his former supervisor, Joyce Butts. Oh. He then took Vicki Jackson at gunpoint and brought her into her own office and advised her to call the police. What? He, he said this to her while she was calling the police, and I quote, I've come to do what I wanted to do. It's all over now. I've gotten everybody who wanted to hurt me. Nobody was hurting you. You were the one hurting them. Oh my, oh my God, this is sickening. So police arrive, police like we said. Tell me he goes away they for the see, rest of his life. They see the carnage, right? So they're looking at the bodies and everything else, trying to get everything else to go figure it out. So then they're trying to recreate his, him himself. So they call his home. No one answers. 
Then they arrive to his house. And when they get to the house, they find the five bodies on the table. Then they see the trench because it's relatively new. Yeah, dug up. And they find those bodies. They don't find the bodies of the kids in the trunk until later when he tells them they're in the trunk. Oh, my God. So during this time, this is um, December of 87, right? Um, Simmons is immediately evaluated to see if he's sane to face trial. Oh, God. Oh, no. Immediately is found completely sane. He was premeditated, knew everything he was doing, no issues whatsoever. It was within, I think, in hours that they realized that this is not... He was completely sane. Okay. His trial was quick and swift. The jury only deliberated for six hours. Six hours seems long for that. So think about this, right? So again, this happened in December 22nd through 28th of 87. Mm -hmm. On May 12th of 1988, he was sentenced to death by lethal injection plus 147 years. And that sentencing actually, well, he was sentenced to death on the 12th, but his actual sentencing was on the 16th of May. So Mm -hmm. within five months... They he were is, like, done. You're- went to trial, convicted, sentenced. He refused to appeal his death sentence, stating, quote, to those who oppose the death penalty, in my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment. Well, you know what? I don't think he should have been killed. Well, that's his quote. While on death row, he had to be separated by the other prisoners for his own safety. The reason they were being- all like... You are a horrible human being and no, we're going to kill you ourselves? They thought because he wasn't even appealing his sentence would hurt their appeals because he was just saying, yeah, I, I deserve this. I should die. Whoa. Yeah. So they had to separate him because people were going to try to kill him, which in the end, he, he wanted death. That's what he wanted. Oh, he should not have been given it. On June 14th, 1990. So within... Three years, not even two and a half years yeah, of him killing. That's really fast. He was executed by lethal injection. None of his relatives would claim the body, and he was well, buried he in a them all. Potter's field. Well, he's got his own family, his siblings, um, and his body's in in you know it's basically f- oh my in one of those God. cemeteries there you know for unclaimed or unknown right folks, and that's the story of Ronald Gene Simmons. Oh my god. Merry Christmas. Thanks. That's so great. And I love that. That makes me so happy. Merry frickin' Christmas. Alrighty then. Fun fact time, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so, as I was saying before, my fun fact is not from the fact site this week, um, because I thought I'd do a little Christmas-themed one. Okay. Uh, so I already told you this, but our great listeners have not heard it yet, possibly. Fair enough. And it is that Brenda Lee was only 13 when she recorded Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Uh, and also they recorded it in July. And apparently the producers, like, turned the AC all the way up and they, like, decorated the studio with, like, Christmassy things when they were recording it. Just to get her in the mood? Yeah, like, to get her in the spirit. And also, the first two times it was released, it flopped. Huh. Um, and then, like, way later, it I like that popular. one. That's one of, one of my... Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I only know this because 
so, like sometimes when I'm listening to my music on Spotify, they have you know the little genius lyrics thing, and they give like little fun facts about the song. I sometimes just like watch those. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Um, and that's how I learned about this, and it's crazy. She doesn't sound like she's thirteen. No, she has. She definitely the her voice has got, and, and her voice is unique. It's just like good. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's not gravelly, but there's a there's an edge to it. Yeah, and yeah. it sounds like mature too. Absolutely. So go listen to that song right now and think. That that is a thirteen-year-old girl. Yeah. What? Okay, that's my fun fact. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, I know a couple other fun facts for Christmas, but I'll save them for next. I'll oh, use it for next week. Yeah. Yeah, since it's gonna come out on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that's it. I think so. Yeah. And let's wrap up. So, uh, if you have your own fun facts, whether they are Christmassy or not, uh, please send them to our Gmail, which is everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit them through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. If you have your own sort of story suggestions or you have something that you personally have experienced and you want to tell us about, send them there as well. We'd love to read them. Um, we're on social media. We're on Instagram at everythinginpodcast, on Twitter at between underscore podcast, and we have a Facebook group and page both by the name of Everything In Between Podcast. You can check us out there. We post when new episodes come out, behind the scene photos, fun stuff like that. So definitely check that out. And then, of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you can do this on, please rate, review, and subscribe. It's really, really helpful. And give us our egos a nice boost. <laughs> um, Jackie actually sent us a review recently. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know if it's shown up yet, but I'll show it to you. Nice, nice. Um, it's really nice. So be like Jackie, everybody. <laughs> um and lastly all of our episodes are titled after different songs that we feel match our stories and we've compiled them into a playlist on spotify called the soundtrack in between so give it a listen if you're uh traveling home for the holidays it's a good uh mix to have on the radio so yeah i think that's about it yeah and until next week until christmas that's right see ya all right bye, bye.